Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. You might want to trade for Aaron Rodgers, but there are other guys who are going to be available. The question is, what are you going to give up, and are they worth it at this point? One of them, to me, absolutely is not. It's Chris Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app presented by Progressive Insurance. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We will get some calls in some point this hour on the quarterback that you would want to trade for right now that's not named Aaron Rodgers. And we have the hashtag crew with us. Hembo is with us as well. And it is interesting to watch all of this unfold because there are big stories that are separate from what's going on with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. There is Russell Wilson who has, as they say, scrubbed his social media now and only has a picture of him from high school. And the Seattle Seahawks are nowhere to be found on his Twitter. So he must be on his way out. Hembo, he is not the guy I would go anywhere near at this point. I don't want Russell Wilson on my team, not because he can't win, not because he's not a good player, and not because there doesn't always seem to be the best combination between him and his teammates. He's not always the most well-liked. It's a combination of all three of those things. Hmm. When I tie all of that together... And I look at what happened in Seattle, and I look at what appears more important to Russell Wilson these days, and we see this with with other guys. I wonder the level of importance that still exists for football for Russell Wilson when I factor in all of those other things right now. Am I being too judgmental towards Wilson right now? I think so, and I think you'd probably feel differently if you were the general manager of an NFL team that did not have a good quarterback. I think Russell, will, like, even if we're to take those things that you said at face value, and those are, let's say, all issues, he is still a brilliant, or at least very close to brilliant, quarterback, who at least theoretically as a 33-year-old is at worst on the back end of his prime. He's also a quarterback that a year ago, say, before they had this bad season in Seattle, really the first bad season of his career, was very much on a Hall of Fame track. Trading for Russell Wilson now is actually a pretty affordable proposition. And given his consistent quality of play, and I think the team around him has deteriorated a good bit over the last few years. We know he was propped up by the defense and the running game early. That's sort of been, I think, sort of flipped on its head lately. All right, but wait a second. Let's define something there. Okay. What is the, when you say it's an affordable price tag, We had Mike Tannenbaum on last hour who said two number ones and maybe a three. Doesn't feel to me like if you're Seattle, that's what you're doing. Because, again, this is a copycat league. And the Rams just went all in to get Matthew Stafford and win a championship. And if you're a team like Seattle with that kind of talent, you have to treat your asset as such and – just frankly, try to fleece whoever comes knocking on your door. Yes. I, if you're trading Russell Wilson, you're getting at least as much as the Rams traded for Matthew Stafford. But I think that there are a handful of teams that would be willing to go there. I mean, Russell Wilson is a much more accomplished quarterback now than Matthew Stafford was a year ago. R- Russell Wilson has been consistently, year over year, better than Matthew Stafford was. I, I, but that's I, why I think that price tag has got to be three number ones. It, 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 prob- it probably is three number ones. 
And that might be okay. And there's only ever been one veteran quarterback traded for three first-round picks, and that was Jim Plunkett years ago. So let's say that's the very, very top of the market. I'd be willing to bet you that there are still multiple teams out there that will be willing to forfeit three first-round picks for a 33-year-old Russell Wilson. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. Chris Carlin in for Greeny today. Try the $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk Wireless with Nationwide 5G on America's best networks. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G-capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. There's one guy that today wants a do-over. And that guy is John Lynch. Let's go back a year. If you're John Lynch, would you do it again to trade up to get to the third spot in the draft and give up three number one picks and a number three pick all the way to move up to get Trey Lance? This is not saying that Trey Lance isn't going to be a very, very good quarterback, but I had talked to people at North Dakota State who say, look, Great kid, really, really good talent, going to be good, but this is nowhere close to ready. This is nowhere close to ready off of of playing one year in the FCS and then one more game that they, in essence, put together for him. Imagine today that you are John Lynch, and while the Packers may not want to, maybe, just maybe, if you still had those picks, you would have your chance at Aaron Rodgers. If you, Hembo, gave John Lynch a chance at a do-over and he had taken some truth serum, you injected it in his arm, would John Lynch make that trade again for Trey Lance? I would say the answer to that question is no, at least not based upon what we know now because Trey Lance was effectively a 0 on a roster that was a half away from going to the Super Bowl. And had they chosen to draft, let's say, Mac Jones instead of Trey Lance, which we heard they wanted to do up until a few weeks before the draft, I think they would have gone to the Super Bowl. You fast forward now to this offseason, you know that you could have gotten awfully close with Jimmy Garoppolo because you did. If you had all of those assets in the chamber for Aaron Rodgers, I don't think the Packers are likely to trade him in the conference. I think they're even less likely to trade him to a team that good within the conference. But I'd be surprised if John Lynch wouldn't take the do-over if given the option today. You know how I know he would? Adam Schefter, in essence, told us so. Here he is from the Ari Myrov Show, our ESPN NFL insider, with his thoughts about Jimmy G and the Niners. He's developing the right way. They, they, they are happy with him. But I go back to my initial statement, is that he didn't play college football at all two years ago he's coming from a small school to begin with and there is a steep learning curve for a quarterback like that who's blessed with a lot of talent who they still are very high on it's not a reflection of whether they think he's going to make it look we said this last year and people said no come on they're not keeping garoppolo they're trading him well he played and i'm and and by the way maybe they do trade him i'm not telling you you're wrong it still is absolutely on the table that he could be moved, and I think he believes he's going to be I'm just giving you the other side that I don't think it's a lock that he's going to be traded. He very well might, but it's not a lock. If it's not a lock, that means that they would have done this again. Uh, they would not have made that trade to get up and get Trey Lance, and they would be doing everything they could today 
to try to get Aaron Rodgers to to San Francisco from Green Bay. Even if they wouldn't do it, they'd be pushing and at least would have had the assets. Chris Carlin in for Greedy. It is presented by Progressive Insurance. You could save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. Up next, Major League Baseball says if they don't have an agreement by Monday, games are getting canceled. Can this get done this weekend? We ask our insider next on Greeny on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more More than than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Deadline set for Monday. That's what Major League Baseball said the other day, that if in fact they don't have an agreement by Monday, there will be games that will be canceled for the regular season. For more perspective on where we stand, we welcome in the great buster only of Baseball Tonight's podcast. If you're not listening to it and you're a baseball fan, you are missing out because you get what you need every single day. Buster, it's Chris Carlin. Appreciate it. Where do we stand? (laughs) I mean, I say it jokingly, but like it just feels like that's the constant way to ask the question, like, where are we? What the heck? Exactly. Uh, you know, the other day I was in Nashville and, and some of the players I was talking to, major league players who were working out there, uh, you know, Mikey Stramski, Kirk Casale, Tony Kemp were telling me that they get asked that question from family members all the time and they kind of wall themselves off emotionally because they don't really know for sure how this is going to end. It's pretty clear that what it is is like a game of chicken, that these two sides are going full speed toward the cliff. Uh, they're not making any progress in these talks this week. They're both moving incrementally, and they're both wondering if the other side is going to take the big step forward and to get a deal done, or are they going to actually run the sport off a cliff together? Um, you know, and, and to me, 
It's the owners because they destroyed the players in the last CBA conversations in 2016 who need to be the, you know, the more magnanimous side, uh, you know, and take a big step uh, towards some sort of resolution. But I don't know if that's going to happen. This is beginning to remind me a lot of 2016 um, when we went down to a deadline and the players wound up making a bad deal. And, and given the alternative, the nuclear option of, of uh, you know, the players losing checks and teams losing money, I wonder if the players, again, are going to make a bad deal. Look, no, there's no ideal time. Rob Manfred talked about it being a disaster if the sport shut down. But the fact is, if the owners are going to lose uh, games, it's better for them if it's in April and May than it is later in the year. Well, there's no doubt, but... I mean, you used the word magnanimous, and then I thought, well, when was the last time magnanimous and Rob Manfred were in the same sentence? That doesn't feel like that's going to happen. That It feels like, Buster, am I wrong to say that there is much more of an urgency on just winning the deal since Rob Manfred, uh, not only before he was commissioner, when he was in charge of negotiations, but now winning seems like it's almost so much more important at times rather than what's for the best for the game on his side, or am I being unfair? Well, I think that your view of the owner side as being uh, incrementalist is dead on. Uh, it's part of the reason why they won in 2016. But I don't think this is about Rob. I think it's about the owners. Rob is a right. lawyer for the owners. Like He is, a, he is the person who uh, conveys or his negotiating team, because Rob's not really involved in any of this. Um, his negotiating team conveys the, you know, the beliefs and acts on the uh, on behalf of the owners. And the owners are the ones who can step forward and say, you know what, this is insane. That's what happened in 1995 when Orioles owner Peter Angelos, uh, you know, heard the other owners talk about a replacement player plan uh, and said, I'm not doing this. This is not good for my organization. This is not good for the sport. And he kind of created some cracks on their side. You do wonder if on either side, you know, that person exists where, you know, an owner who's going to step forward, a Hal Steinbrenner, a John Henry, uh, you know, somebody is going to come forward and say to the other owners, look, this is nuts. We might win this deal uh, with the players, but in the end, we're all going to lose if we don't come up with a solution ASAP. Buster, it strikes me that right now these two sides are arguing over like economic minutia. And so a lot uh, of the conversation on, the, on this show this week was about the obvious fact that the elephant in the room here should be that the, the, the on-field product stinks. Like that, that's in order to be able to get there, of course, though, it seems you need to get through some of this economic stuff. So like where do we stand on all of the improvements baseball theoretically wants to make all of what Theo Epstein is doing as they sort of navigate all of the economic minutia instead? They're not even on the back burner. Uh, <laughs> <wow>. <laughs> like, you're they're not in the kitchen. Right. And I, <laughs> right, I agree. They're in the, there's some place in the cupboard. Uh, look, <sighs> you know, the other day when I was in Nashville, you know, Mike Yastrzemski gave voice to that and talked about, you know, wanting to grow the game. Uh, and what do we do to, to, to make this game more attractive? And what do we do to, to grow the product? He gave voice to that. I hear that a lot from club executives, from players, agents who are not involved in these talks. 
they worry that, you know, that these two sides are, are so deep into the weeds that what's not really being paid attention to is the most important thing, which is from 30,000 feet. This sport is in a fragile place. It is a fragile state. They need to make the game better. And they're not going to do that unless they're in a position where the two sides can actually work together. Uh, and as I've told you, Chris, this is the worst working relationship than, uh, between the two sides that I've seen in 33 years. It's horrific, uh, and it's going to cost all of them, and that's what's being lost here. What I'm concerned is they're going to make a deal. Both sides are going to walk away with their nose, you know, holding their noses, and the terrible relationship is going to continue going forward. I hope both sides, if in fact they forge a CBA here in the next four or five days, actually takes a step back and said, okay, we need now to concentrate big picture. How do we get to a better place in terms of helping the, to grow the sport? Buster Olney, Baseball Tonight podcast, ESPN MLB senior writer. Uh, so, Buster, by next week, I mean, if, if you had to – I even ha- hesitate to ask. If you had to put a percentage on games being canceled or not, in other words, a deal by Monday, that percentage that we actually had one by Monday night, where would you put it? I'm going to defer to people I talk to within the sport who are watching this and see the dysfunction and see how far apart they are and still believe that there's going to be a deal. Now, look, um, if a deal happens, then it's going to be a deal that the owners are going to want uh, and the players are, are going to get hurt. Um, but I, I think that's the end result because, as I've told you before, you know, I compare this to a, a neighborhood poker game, and on one side of the poker table, the players, they have about $100 worth of chips, and on the other side, you get the neighbor with a million dollars worth of chips. In the end, the financial might of the owners uh, probably gives them an advantage. I, I think they'll forge a deal because the alternative is so ugly and so awful that I just don't think the players will go down that road. There is an aspect of this that actually gets me excited, and it's when you actually get a deal between now and the beginning of the season, the kind of off-field action we're going to have with teams just hurrying to sign the remaining free agents that are going to be out there. Buster, how does this play out if they get a deal next week and then all of a sudden it's a free agent explosion? It's going to be like that you know, two-lap sprint in NASCAR. It is going to be nuts because you have about th- almost 300 players in play uh, before opening day. And you'd have about three weeks for that to be executed. So you'd have 10 to 15 players uh, on average changing or fighting new homes per day. It's going to be crazy. You start with Freddie Freeman, you know, the number one free agent on the board. There's a growing belief in the industry that he's going to wind up with another team other than the Braves. You know, will the Braves step up once they restart? The Atlanta, uh, excuse me, the Oakland Athletics have a bunch of players they're going to trade. Matt Chapman, Matt Olson. Uh, Carlos Correa, Trevor Story are going to need to find homes. We're going to find out about Clayton Kershaw with what he's going to happen, what's going to happen with him, and are there teams, because they've been unable to sell tickets, um, beginning to think about lowering their respective budgets and making players available, like Josh Hader of the Milwaukee Brewers. Is he on the move? Um, I I think absolutely a team to continue to watch the, the New York Mets because they are you know, in the end, probably going to have a record payroll. Their owner, Steve Cohn's made it clear he wants to win. Damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. It's going to be crazy. And so, Buster, if we're going to play fantasy baseball, let's play fantasy baseball. So yesterday on this show, 
Greeny asked me who I thought would be the best player in baseball in five years. We went around the horn and did, and did all the sports. My answer to that question is Juan Soto, but I'm going to ask you the same question. Who is going to be the best player in baseball in five years? You know, and Hembo, I think that answer is absolutely reasonable. I can't tell you that you're wrong. Juan Soto's skill set as a hitter is unlike anything that we've seen really since Ted Williams in terms of his command of the strike zone at a young age, uh, the power, uh, the absolute dominance that he has. But I'm going to go with a player who I, I think actually fits a nice comp for both of them. Uh, you know, back when Ted Williams played, the question was whether or not he was better than Joe DiMaggio. Uh, for me, the Joe DiMaggio in this equation is Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Braves, who I, I think is a better all-round player than Juan Soto. He's a better defender. He's faster. He also, year to year, is getting better and better and better when it comes to strike zone command and, and learning how to use his hit tool. I think he's going to be the best player in baseball in five years. Dear God, by this time next week, let us be talking more about this kind of stuff than what we have been for the most part. A hundred percent. Buster, awesome stuff as usual. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Greeny, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Previously on Greeny. Why is it so important to you that Harry Douglas eats a meatball <laughs> yeah, sub? So Harry and Chris filled in a bunch over uh, when you were off. Right. One of the Who You Got questions months ago, like, I don't know, week seven of the NFL, was like, what's your favorite sandwich? Who you got? And Chris, you know, gave, I think he ended up saying meatball sandwich. And and Chris Carlin you're talking about. Correct. How did he narrow it down? Like, that would be my question. He seems like a man who would like a lot of sandwiches. Great question. Great question. So, yeah, he, he did narrow it down to meatball. And then Harry was like. So his favorite sandwich is a meatball sandwich. Yeah, I think meatball so. Meatball yeah. Wow. Aggressive. Aggressive. And, and notice the, the very subtle agreement from Bubba in the response there as well. It is Chris Carlin in for Greeny today on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app presented by Progressive Insurance. Here's the only problem with all of that. I didn't catch that. I don't know. I, I, you didn't. Uh, I, I'm surprised it wasn't edited out. I mean, I you know, you didn't catch that part where you don't think there was just a very subtle undertones agreement. Wow, like great question, Greeny. I don't know. That, that feels no, like I, I heard that. that. Yeah, I missed it. Oh, okay, that's interesting. The problem is this: I can't argue with anything he's saying. 
I do enjoy a lot of sandwiches, and it would be fascinating to know how I would actually narrow it down. However, it is, you know, listen, it is a little tough to take when Grady looks like he has come off a four-month Panchakarma cleanse <laughs> at this point. It's not even 12 days. He's in incredible shape. He probably weighs about as much as my right leg, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that. He is not in incredible shape. All right, <laughs> chill out with that. I mean, you, what, what does Greeny weigh in your thin. estimation? He's what is he, just, a buck yeah, 55 maybe? No, he. I, I think he weighs closer to like 175 or 180. Just because you're thin doesn't mean you're in great Correct. shape. Like Greeny is not like Greeny's not beating you or I in an arm wrestling contest. He's okay, not going well, to outrun. He's not outrunning anybody. Like he's. He's just not as big as we are. Like, that's, that's all. Like, that's, all right, he's well, not in great shape. But you have to understand what my context of great shape is. You just mean not fat. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Anybody who is 175 pounds, no matter how it looks, is in great shape, comparatively speaking. Oh, Green's in great shape, then. Yes. <laughs> yes, he is. He's in amazing shape. Does, has Greeny ever done a cleanse? He's, How much of the punch? I, I I apologize. I was with Bart a lot of the week, so I only got to hear parts of the show. But has there was there any discussion of Greeny having ever done some sort of cleanse? He has done like the sort of things that rich people do when they want to create a little conflict for their body. But he's not done anything like Aaron Rodgers. What does that mean? Like, rich like people bunch, do what they want to create like conflict a bunch of for really their body? expensive juices, like that kind of stuff. I, I got okay. the sense that yeah, he, I like, think he's more of the juice smoothies. Cleanse, yeah, like. But, but he's not done anything to this extent because, as he's described many times on the air, he is a gastrointestinally challenged person. So, like, all the stuff that he was describing that Rogers did was, is already stuff that he's very wary of anyway. So right. to, like, lean into that and do it every day, no matter how rich you are, in his case, it was a no-go. I am not getting – I won't get into any of the specifics of what Rogers did with this, but – I, I don't even know what that looks like. I don't even know what he's thinking. I don't know where you're gaining any sort of spiritual knowledge out of that. If I'm going to be throwing up for three days first and then going through every other gastrointestinal issue, <laughs> I can't imagine gaining higher knowledge and enlightenment from that somehow. And I certainly... I certainly cannot imagine that the very first thing I am thinking coming out of a 12-day cleanse like that is gratitude. That is not my first feeling. I totally agree. And Greeny was totally overlooking the enema portion of this. And let I me, agree. And let me just say, Oof. that was something that was being administered, which, which means that person has the worst job in the world. Being Aaron Rodgers' Panchakarma administrator, that's the worst job in the world. That's, 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 that's an even worse job than being the general manager of the Packers. Well, it may not be the worst job in the world because if it's Aaron Rodgers, at least you're likely going to get tipped pretty well. <laughs> Are we sure? <laughs> well, we're not short of that. <laughs> At times, I don't know how much of a humanitarian he feels like, but yes, I would think that at the very least. That was Weekly Rewind brought to you by Dell. For your small business needs, call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. Life is a series of choices. Who you got? Make a decision. Say it! Say it! All right. I'll say it. Who you got? Ah, here we are. Once again, who you got? And I know, I know that you'll be able to rest easy knowing that you have heard from Bubba this week with who you got. So, Bubba, as always, it is good to be with you. We made it. It is great that we made it. Here we, yes, we can, Bubba. Another one. Yes, we can. Another who you got. Let's do it. All right. 
Yesterday, Hembo said Juan Soto will be the best player in baseball in five years. I said Arch Manning will be the best player in football in five years, so don't steal that gem. And Nuno said John Morant will be the best player in basketball in five years. So, Chris, who you got for your answers? We need to know now. Baseball, football, basketball. Five years. Go. Okay, first of all, with... Uh, basketball, I'm agreeing 100%, as boring as it may be, with what Nuno had to say. I absolutely believe that John ja Morant is going to be the best player in the game uh, in five years, and there's there's no reason for me to think otherwise. As many as uh, as many good young electrifying players as we see in the league, to me, none more than Morant at this point. If I'm going to go in Major League Baseball. Right now, in five years, who is going to be the best player? Francisco this, Lindor. I, I know that that will not be my answer. I can guarantee you that in five months, in five weeks, he will not be the best player in baseball. I'm having a lot of trouble with this one. I'm going to come back to baseball in a second. I'll go to football, and you may be surprised by this answer, but I have not wavered in my faith. A very close second would be Justin Herbert. But I still believe that Trevor Lawrence will be the best player in football in five years. I know that may sound nuts. You don't buy it. Nobody's buying it? I mean, he was a number one pick, so, I mean, it's... Yeah, this is my thing. I I loved him in college. I thought he was a joy to watch. And I think he is still the kind of quarterback that you dream of having. And we do have to remember, this was not just somebody that we saw as a franchise quarterback. He was universally acknowledged as a a once-in-a-generation type quarterback. And so I'm going to continue to ride with that, even though he did not have a good first year but let's look really at what he was dealing with in that first year. I do think Doug Peterson will have a very positive effect on him. And then when it boils down to it, I'm going to have to go with Fernando Tatis Jr. In five years, will still be the best player in baseball. You could argue he's not that far off from it right now if he's not. But in five years from now, he's going to be 28 years old, right smack in the middle of his prime, Tatis Jr., Best player in baseball five years. All right. According to Caesars, do you know who the top five most popular bets to win Super Bowl 57 are? Who you got? Can you name them? Okay, so let's be clear. Let's once again establish this is not the top five favorites to win the Super Bowl next year. It's what the top five bets are to win the the Super Bowl. The most tickets that are in right now in Caesars to win the Super Bowl next year. Okay. five teams. Okay, so let's go one at a time. You tell me if the guess is in. I'm going to give you five guesses. I don't want 20. I'm going to give you five quick guesses. You tell me if they're in it or not. Right. The Buffalo Bills. They are number one. They are number one right now. The Kansas City Chiefs. They are number five. The Cincinnati Bengals. They are number two. You got two more. Oh, man. I 
The Green Bay Packers. The Packers good. are not in. Okay, good. Um, lastly, let's go with the Los Angeles Chargers. Ooh, oh. it is the other Los Angeles team. So the Rams, I purposely didn't go with the Rams because it felt a little boring to me. So I didn't think that maybe people thought maybe people would look at it and say, though, they got cap problems, all that. They, the Rams are in the top five. What number are they, two, three? Yeah, so it's the Bills are one, plus right. 750. The Bengals are two, plus 1,500. That's, that's good value for the Bengals three, right there. The L.A. Chargers, no, sorry, Rams. Sorry, the L.A. Rams, plus 1,200. Four, this one out of nowhere, the New York Jets at <laughs> <What>? plus twenty thousand. <laughs> yes. Wait. Wait a the second. New York How many Jets. tickets did Greeny put in? <laughs> I mean, it, I don't know. Caesars number four. The New York Jets plus at plus twenty thousand. And then the Chiefs are plus seven hundred at number five. But yes, the New York Jets are in the top five right now. Plus. 20,000 to win the Super Bowl. You know, it's funny. I made the argument on on a local New York show on 98.7 in New York, uh, probably, I don't know, week 17, that it's possible the Jets could take that kind of Cincinnati Bengals Ugh, step forward. Stop. But, not, but now I can't even. I can't even. <laughs> make that argument based upon based upon your previous answer it sounds like you think the the jaguars with trevor lawrence are likelier to do that than the jets no i think the jets have a few more pieces in place that i like and i actually i trust who's running the jets right now i trust joe douglas even though greeny jumped ship on that one for you know pretty quickly (laughs) all right bubba all right, who you got here? We talked about him last hour. James Harden will make his debut tonight for Philly. So what are the expectations this year? Is it Eastern Conference Finals or bust? NBA Finals or bust? Or do they have to win it all? Who you got? I would say that it is, uh, if they don't make the Eastern Conference Finals, I would call it a massive disappointment. Um, and I know how good the East is right now. Uh, I'm not going to say NBA Finals yet because of the Milwaukee Bucks. But I would say that if they don't win a championship in the next two years, that's a massive disappointment. So my expectations this year are Eastern Conference Finals. Hembo, as a Sixers fan, is that fair or unfair? You have this pegged right. If the Sixers don't reach the Conference Finals this year, it will be a catastrophe. And if they don't at least get to the NBA Finals, if not win a championship over the next two years, then it will be a disappointment as well. The bar is super, super high, and like you said, this is the very end of the process. Like we're, We are approaching the end of the tunnel. What will be fascinating to watch is where the Nets ended up, end up being seated for the playoffs and if they have to face them, when they would have to face them. All right, Bubba, next. Tuesday was National California Day. Mm. So, who you got as your favorite city or area in California to visit? Uh, that would I'm going to give you the politically correct answer here and say San Francisco, even though it is probably the true answer as well. My wife is from the Bay Area. My in-laws are in the Bay Area. So I will go with San Francisco, but that that's probably pretty accurate. A close second, a very close second would be San Diego. 
Very nice. Yeah, I've, I've only been to I've been to San Francisco twice, San Diego once. I've never been to Los Angeles. Got to get out to Los Angeles. Never Just, been there. No, I got to experience that. Bubba in L.A. Yeah, got to have a camera follow Can you. you. I want to see that. that. Wednesday was National Bartender Day, so mm. I can't believe I missed this. But who you got as your go-to drink? Oh wow, I I am I am a very very simple man, a very simple man. Just likes meatballs. You've enjoyed a lot of drinks, no? I, I have. There were, you know, not as much lately. But I, I, my go-to drink right now is just simply a Corona. Probably or or any kind of beer. I'm not a big IPA and get all the fancy beer kind of thing. But I would also uh, say that on the golf course, uh, which is something that I uh, enjoy doing, and other places, a transfusion really can hit the spot, which is grape juice along with ginger ale and vodka. That hits the spot. Oh, that is wow. only the only mixed drink I'm interested in. Transfusion. Right now. Wow. Interesting. What about you, Bubba? You know, I'm kind of in a similar vein. I don't honestly don't really have a go-to because I'll kind of just drink whatever, and I'm fairly simple in the same way where just kind of sticking to beer. But I'll drink light beer, IPA, cheap beer, good beer. It doesn't really bother me. So I'll drink uh, Bush Light or Keystone Light or give me some good beer and an IPA. I don't really care. It doesn't really bother me. Um, I'll drink whatever. All right. I'm just down to have a good time, you know? <laughs> Clearly. I'm just there. To, I'm just there to hang out and have fun. Uh, last one from me here. Ric Flair turned 73 today. So how about that? He's a 16-time world champion. So who you got as your favorite wrestler? Uh, my favorite wrestler of all time. Flair is, is up there. Uh, I would say individually my favorite wrestler of all time is Flair. My favorite tag team of all time was the Hart Foundation. Oh, wow. All I don't right. know why that was, but I just absolutely loved him. What Probably, about you? Oh, no question. Shawn Michaels, who is also the greatest wrestler of all time, is my favorite wrestler. Mm. And, uh, yeah, Shawn Michaels is the correct answer. Hambo, you got an answer? I do Ten not. Ten seconds. No answer. I mean, I only like baseball. <laughs> That's true. You're just above us all, aren't you? It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.